Good morning. This is Henry Harris, and welcome to another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, we don't do well in ongoing psychological earthquakes. Okay. So let us begin. We're speaking about a simple truth, a simple truth about our emotions, our feelings, our moods, the internal experience that we walk around in. That is perhaps the most real, impactful experience of our reality is the feelings we're living in. It can look like we're living in a series of events, events that are unfolding now, the uh, fallout or the lasting impact of events from the past. But the truth is we're really living in a moment, in a moment's flow. We're living in the experience of a flow of energy, of the flow of divine energy that's animating our heart, our mind, and it's not fully visible to us. And it is so precious and so valuable to understand how that is unfolding inside of us so that we can have a, uh, uh, we can begin to have a new relationship with the source of it, with the source of our reality. We don't get fooled by a misunderstanding of how our life, how our experience is being shaped and created moment to moment. To the degree that it looks to me that my feelings and moods are being shaped by the events of my past or the present or what I think to be my future, I will be unconsciously, innocently, but mistakenly reactive to so many things that aren't really worthy of reacting to. It reminds me just now, as I'm thinking about it, the clip that I've shown and spoken of on uh, of of a snippet of children, a little kids, like 15 month olds, you know, toddlers discovering their shadows and being freaked out by them. You know, a child on one side of the room who is unwilling to walk into an area where there's a shadow because it's just too disconcerting, or a child who discovers her her shadow on a blacktop and and then as she moves, the shadow follows her and then she moves more dramatically and the shadow keeps pace with her until she becomes literally overwhelmed and freaks out. To the degree that we are living with the perception that our feelings and our moods are totally and wholly created by the circumstances of our of our lives, as I mentioned, the past, the present, what we think to be the future circumstances to a meaningful extent, we'll be living in an innocent but mistaken reactivity. And that doesn't go very well. It just, it's exhausting. It's, it's just, it's exhausting and it inhibits our ability to see and relate to what is actually real. And it just doesn't go very well. And what we can see is that there really is a, there are shadows that are being cast. There are there are feelings and moods that we're having that are not owing to, they don't represent, using the metaphor of the shadow again, the shadow is not actually a, a, a being with power. I don't actually need to concern myself with the shadows following me. It's not a threat. It's not dangerous. It's true, there is a shadow following me. I see it. It's a real perception. It's not an illusion that there is a darkened shape on the ground. It's just that my conclusion about the shape could be fully mistaken. So again, we're not just we're not looking to convince ourselves that we don't have a feeling of fear or anxiousness or jealousy or envy or whatever it is. 
we're not looking to pretend or convince ourselves that there's no such feeling. No, there's a feeling there. It's just what's the feeling signify? Is it like is it is it the perception, oh, this shadow is an actual monster or being that I could be actually threatened by? Or is it simply a perception and I can go about my life despite the presence of that perception? And and that's important. That's important. Now, I don't want to... Uh, uh, we've touched on this in the past that I'm not advocating for ignoring one's feelings. Feelings, as I've expressed it, are, are kind of like... A, they're like... They're worthy of attention. They are providing information. It's just that it's helpful to understand what's true about how feelings work so that we can accurately assess, okay, well, what is the information that this feeling is telling me? You know, there's such a thing as being mistreated. There's such a thing as being wronged, or there's such a thing as experiencing an, uh, a threatening, um, a potentially dangerous development in life. These are, there are such things in the world. And to the degree that we feel uh, a feeling of fear or anger or injustice or whatever it might be, it could be that it's actually telling us about an event that is unfolding that is wrong, that's violating, that's needing our response. But to the degree that we don't have some level of appreciation and understanding about the truth behind feelings, then it's going to be hard to even look at the feeling. It's going to be hard to even be present to the feeling to assess, is this feeling telling me something worth responding to or not? It's so valuable to understand, to to be curious about and to become a student of this truth about the source behind our psychological experience. It's so precious. It's so valuable. And it allows us to live in our lives. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine living your life throughout your life to the point where you you anytime you encounter a shadow you become immobilized as if in the presence of some kind of a monster and you have to plan your life and your day such that you can't go near the shadow or you have to somehow find a way to avoid the shadow like that that would be that would be pretty debilitating and yet to the degree that we carry around a perception that a feeling, a, a, an anxious feeling, a fearful feeling, an angry feeling is something that I cannot be with. I have to find a way to get it out of my life. I have to, to reconstruct my life, reconstruct my past, reconstruct the circumstances of my present to enable that I don't get those feelings. That's not different than having the perception I can't go about my day if with an encounter with a shadow, it's exa- It's it's equally as exhausting. It's equally as limiting. It's equally as paralyzing. It doesn't work, and it totally inhibits our capacity to really use this extraordinary wisdom that each and every one of us is endowed with, that we navigate with. We are so well equipped to navigate with so much insight and creativity. There's and every one of us has navigated difficulties and challenges and uncertainties and unknowns we have. Unquestionably, we have been the beneficiaries of wisdom to navigate new and uncertain territory. But that's inhibited. It's inhibited when our when our when we are deeply 
committed or uh, again not consciously so mistakenly committed to monitoring and fleeing from feelings that feel unsafe or dangerous so at the root of this understanding is this simple inquiry well what is true about psychological experience what's behind it what's the what what causes those feelings what can i know about where they come from and then how does that allow me to look at my own life i can start to watch i can start to look at my experience not with an analysis of sorts simply be willing and, and interested to look at my moods and my psychological experience just kind of every once in a while notice oh look at that i'm getting a reaction right now what's that about where's that coming from well it feels like it's coming from what this person said it feels like this it's coming from the, with how this person responded to me okay let's hold on to that you know, let's let's consider where where whether that's a hundred percent the absolute truth. Let's notice our moods. Let's notice. Oh, maybe I'm I'm in a bit of a, you know, go about go about. Let's go about our lives and just become a student of that, a watchful and curious student. So this week I introduced the idea that it's we don't do well with living in a, a certain psychological earthquake. I had the opportunity recently to speak to uh, a young person who is, on the one hand, clear that there is such a thing as a source behind all life. There's, there has to be something more than just us, is how he described it. On the other hand, he lives in a level of psychological uncertainty and discomfort that A, he acts in ways that he doesn't like. He, he partakes of habits that he knows are not constructive because they're helpful to distract him from that psychological uncertainty and the stress of it. And B, so A, he's, he's living, he's acting in ways that he doesn't like. And he'd like to stop them, but at the end of the day, he needs relief from the unwanted feelings. And B is that, even though on the one hand he acknowledges, I know there's something more than me and us. I know there has to be. On the other hand, I, he, he says, I, I actually have meaningful doubts. How does that work? How does a person have meaningful doubts? Well, how do both of those things work? How does it work that we come to act, to engage in escapes that we, we know are, are undignified? We know are, are, our behaviors that we don't respect, we don't like, we don't want. How do we do, how does that happen? Well, it's relatively simple. The felt experience that we're living in is very real to us. You know, I feel my feelings more than I feel pretty much anything. And if those feelings feel unsafe, if they feel, um, if they feel condemning or accusatory or just plain yucky, if I if I don't know that I can be in those feelings, then it's just going to feel so normal and so natural to have a need to numb myself from them. And there are plenty of things to numb myself from those feelings with. There's food, and there's money, uh, spending money, and there's watching things on the internet. There's drugs. There's all kinds of things out there that are 
absolutely 100% reliable distractions from a, disple- a, a distressing feeling. And it just makes so much sense why a person who inwardly experiences that unpleasant feeling as unsafe, it's just so normal and so logical to relieve oneself from that unsafety. So those habits are a reliable, they're a reliable deliverance from those existential pains. And it's hard to fault somebody. It's not, I don't want to get into like, well, is he accountable? Of course, we're responsible for our lives. In the moment, though, we can come to feel ourselves to be without choice. This inquiry is about coming to understand and appreciate the limits of our choice so that we can own the power of choice that we do have. Yes, we're not just, we don't have unlimited, unconditional free will. I can program my internal world to the, to the degree I want and how I want and when I want. I have total choice and total free will. No, I wouldn't say that. Do I believe I don't have free will? No. The fact that I can't jump from the ground to my rooftop does not mean that I can't jump. I can jump. Not very high, but I can jump. And the fact that I can't will myself into a certain state of mind or mood or feeling doesn't mean that I don't have will. I do. But it's very helpful to understand the limits of my will and choice as a means to help me to make use of my will, the will that I do have. So it makes so much sense that when when a person doesn't understand the truth about his psychological experience and he comes to view his feelings as unsafe, that it just makes so much sense that he's going to access uh, distractions and escapes. Now, what's the point? The second point I mentioned is that this young person is, on the one hand, capable of saying, "I, I know there has to be something more than just me and you. I know there has to be something greater than us. And yet simultaneously acknowledge, but I've come to a point where I I actually doubt the existence of this force and it's calling into question my whole commitment to my spiritual commitment to my spiritual discipline to Judaism. It sounds schizophrenic on the one hand like I know there has to be something other than me and you and something beyond this world on the other hand I doubt that existence. Like what does that mean? How does that work? Well, it to me it's not so hard to understand why that would be normal is again because of our felt experience and the way in which we understand with the way we relate to our felt experience if i'm feeling lowly part of that well let's back up if i feel if i feel settled and calm and peaceful and i sense uh, uh, my place in the in the context of something bigger and greater and i feel my small but smallness but not as a as a de- as a as a degrading thing i just feel at home in something vast and beautiful, then it's only natural to acknowledge that there's something other than me and to be at peace with that realization there's something other than me. There's a there's a, a certain expansive mood. There are feelings of trust and understanding. And I'm living in that. But when I might find myself in a lower mood where I feel highly self-conscious, highly insecure, highly concerned and distressed, the reality of me is all I know and all I feel. And it's hard to remember that there could be something other than that distressing feeling and the, and the, and the embarrassment, 
pain of the of those feelings. I it's just it's almost like it's out of, it's beyond my reach that there's something other than my feelings. And I can absolutely come to question, wait, I I I don't really it can't be. It can't be that there's something other than me because I feel so disconnected from that something other than me. The, the, the intensity of the estrangement, the, the, the pain and the dis- feeling of aloneness is so strong that like, how could I be alone if, the, if there really is something other than me, if there's this all-powerful, all-encompassing source creator, then how could I feel so alone? So it makes all the sense in the world that I would, that a person who, who, who doesn't understand that those feelings exist inside of the source itself, right? The source of all life is making available to us both level, both kind of ends of this consciousness. There is no power other than the single simple source. And that single simple source makes available to us a whole variety of states of mind. And I get to watch that and have the ability to consciously acknowledge where my experience comes from. It's not coming from the events and the circumstances of my life. It's not coming from my personal frailties. It's coming from the existence it's coming from the place that everything comes from. And my internal feeling of estrangement and aloneness is, is itself part of that created world. And it hurts. And it doesn't mean that I can't still acknowledge. In fact, that's an extraordinary accomplishment, an extraordinary accomplishment to acknowledge, even in the midst of that feeling of estrangement, that I know that I'm still living inside of a world where there's only one source, even to this internal feeling of estrangement. It is in my mind, the most essential understanding that we are working on for ourselves and looking to endow or to help others with, in particular, young people, the intensity of feelings that arise inside of every person, certainly young people, is so strong. To the degree that we have an awareness of what's behind our psychological experience, we can live in a world where even if there are earthquakes, we sense that those earthquakes are 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 themselves coming from a, the the single simple source. I don't have to live in a world where there are no earthquakes. I can live in a world where there are earthquakes, and then lo and behold, it does affect us. It affects us over time. We come to relate to the ups and downs of our life in a more neutral manner. We feel them but we're not as inclined to engage them and react to them and thereby amplify them. It is so precious. It is, in my mind, the reason why Maimonides, the Rambam, introduces the first words of his 14-volume summary codification of all Jewish law and thought with this word, with this line. He says, the pillar of the foundation of foundations and the pillar of wisdom is to know there is a first cause, there's a first being. The foundation of foundations and the pillar of wisdom, that is a foundation is something that a person has as a means of stability. The implication of what the Rambam is saying is that without this knowledge, you don't have a foundation in life. You just don't. And the, and the way in which this plays out for our psychological experience, it just strikes me as so obvious to the degree that I don't know that there's a first being, that there is a source behind all life, and I experience myself to be effect, being affected by the all the variety of events of the past and the present and the circumstances, all, that, my life is in the hands of so many different entities and powers, and it's just so vexing, might be the word. 
But with with cultivating this understanding of of the truth about my experience, it's one of the found. It's one of the most elemental aspects of the mitzvah of emuna, of the commandment to seek and affirm the truth of a single simple source. We don't do well in a world of ongoing psychological earthquakes without an awareness about the stability behind those earthquakes. Right? We we're going to have our moods. But when they when when they're coupled with misunderstanding, they're truly earthquakes, and the effects on a person are um, are to run and to hide, to let go of the 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 truths that reach beyond the moment's pain. Our our opportunity is to is to affirm and to be loyal to those truths that are beyond the moment's pain to remember and to affirm those truths. And when we study this, when we're curious, when we're students of this truth, we, we are willing and interested, a career, not a short-term fix, but to really devote ourselves to a career of, deep, of seeing more and more, with more and more loyalty to look for this truth, this, the, the truth of the single simple source behind all experience, then we are positioning ourselves to navigate our lives, to navigate the earthquakes with a whole new outlook.